electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I've been one of my friends just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, get you excited about this stuff. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Nothing takes the Fed out of the equation like a weak employment number. And today we got the weakest one relative to expectations that I can ever recall. A miss of 744,000 jobs. That's right. The experts predicted we create a million jobs in April. Instead, we got 266,000. I would fire every expert. All right. Now, you think that that would be bad news, right? I mean, big, but much miss in terms of how few jobs were created. Wrong. For the stock market is great news, which is why the Dow gained 229 points. That's climbed 0.74%, both all-time highs. NASDAQ jumped 0.88%. Even the NASDAQ was up. The big concern right now is that a booming economy will force the Federal Reserve to slam on the brakes by raising interest rates. And a huge part of that was the fabulous job market. Yes, but with such a disappointing employment number, Fed Chief Jay Powell has bought some time here. He's got a lot more leeway to leave rates unchanged. As long as the unemployment rate's above 6%, anyone who says he needs rate hikes, I got to tell you, that person really does sound like a crank. They know nothing! Of course, we know that inflationary pressures have been building pretty much everywhere. I know that. I'm not oblivious, even if some of them are temporary. I don't think lumber's always going to be up here. I don't think corn's always going to be at $7. But we know the job growth may have been held back by bountiful expanded unemployment benefits. Lots of employers either can't or won't match those payments, so you can't really blame anyone for taking the money and staying home. I personally have been willing to far exceed what those employment benefits play, but there's so many other aspects of those benefits that are positive. We're not even getting any takers. But even with these issues, the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report is considered sacrosanct, and it gives Powell the cover he needs to keep rates low, which in turn means stock buyers have another month where they don't need to worry about the Fed. The result? Huge gains today for all kinds of stocks, with the best formers being the bigger cap tech names that roar when the economy seems to be downshifting and inflation remains low. Even if the economy may be doing the exact opposite, inflation is still very much on the table. Can this incredible bullish scenario hold up? But well, we're not going to have to wait too long. 
I'll tell you why we don't have to wait too long. Because on Monday morning, we get a result from a company that's very sensitive to all the issues we're talking about when it comes to inflation, which is Tyson Foods. We'll hear about whether the budding chicken shortage is going to drive up prices. Probably hear about the price of corn. As it is, animal feed keeps going higher and higher. Food inflation is getting out of hand. Will that be ignored? Hard to imagine. But it comes right in the shadow of this benign jobs number. So again, it probably won't matter. We also hear from Marriott International. I'd be very much like to see what their booking, bookings look like. This morning, Expedia told us that pleasure trips are filling hotels. But business excursions haven't come back much at all because everybody's still using Zoom. You might be surprised after the close when one of my absolute favorites, Simon Property Group, reports, and I bet they shoot the lights out. Simon is the biggest mall operator, and it's doing incredibly well. Hey, as Don Wood, the CEO of Federal Realty, the largest shopping center owner, those are two different things, things has already explained brick-and-mortar retail is booming, at least in wealthier communities. That Simon Bread and Butter is right there, so I think the numbers will be monstrously good. They own a malls. A, and that's not a mall. It's like the great. Occidental Petroleum reports, too, and we've been getting some stellar numbers from oil producers that are feasting in this environment. Crude sells for more than 60 bucks a barrel. They make money there. I bet Oxy's one of them. I also like Roblox, the beginning gaming platform for young kids. The safe beginning platform. The company came public in one of those direct listings that tend to undervalue stocks. I think this may be your chance to buy shares in a fast grower before it gets closer to a full valuation. Some people think I like it too much. I don't know. I like it a lot. I think it's a smart company. Speaking of companies with mispriced direct listings, Palantir reports Tuesday morning. And this is one of those stocks like GameStop or AMC that, that's beloved by the uh, 10 million degenerate Wall Street bet crew over on Reddit. They call themselves degenerate. I only echo that. They pride themselves on moving stocks, though, even if the fundamentals don't merit it. Ha ha ha. So I think this could be another opportunity to do some buying. Stocks down big from the mid-20s where they had driven it up to. If the close Tuesday, we're hearing uh, from a company that I'm focused on because it's in my living room, Vizio. Smart television company can give us a read on both cord cutters and the semiconductor shortage. I often think of Vizio in tandem with the form with uh, Red, Red Hot Roku. Do you see that? That stock is cool, but then went up nicely after it reported last night. They good quarter. Now, I'd say it is at least worth listening to Vizio, get another view of the situation, but I hesitate to recommend it because of the chip shortage. Ultimately, I think this can become a big stock, but this may not be the right time for it. Wednesday morning, we get results from Wendy's. Now, lately, it's got a nasty habit of going down on earnings and rallying later on. As much as I like it and champion Wendy's endlessly, as does my wife champion that Baconator, which, you know, you got to go to Planet Fitness right after. We have Planet Fitness right after. You think you probably want to see a quarter before you pull the trigger. Next up, Match Group reported an amazing quarter this week, so I have to think that this online dating competitor, Bumble, can do the same next Wednesday night. I like Bumble. Now, it only came public in February, but it already sunk to its 52-week low earlier this week. I told you people turned on IPOs. Now, this setup for this woman first online dating play, I think, is very good. Of course, if you own it all the way down, you hate to hear what I just said. It sounds a little like Kathy Wood in that amazing interview with Sarah and Wilf, where she liked the fact that she had taken a beating on a bunch of stocks. I like it when stocks go higher. Sorry to be critical. Do you know that Grow Generation, the hydroponics retailer that's become a key player in the cannabis supply chain, tends to soar after reports? I bet this time will be no different, especially as more cash-strapped states embrace legalization or to pay their bills. Early Thursday morning, we're going to hear from Alibaba. Okay, now why does this matter other than the fact that it's already trading the moment you come in? Because it's the only Chinese stock I really champion on the show. And I bet you it gives you a terrific quarter. Remember, China's well ahead of us when it comes to their post-pandemic recovery. And Alibaba should put up some excellent numbers as Chinese consumers rebound from tough times. Thursday evening, oh, it's a stock picker's paradise. 
Disney, DoorDash, Airbnb, Coinbase, or Port at Once. Of these, I think Disney's got the best story going forward. I'd be a buyer. DoorDash has lined up some amazing partnerships during this pandemic. I think it can make uh, good money now, but not maybe not great money because so many people want to dine in person now that they've been vaccinated. Airbnb might tell a terrific story, but the stock's really expensive at a time when the market has turned against the highest flyers. But remember, Airbnb is not business, it's pleasure, and pleasure is booming. As for Coinbase, it's a mystery. Given the crazy crypto world, its business should be booming. But because it came public via dreaded direct listing, we have no idea where the sellers are or what the darn thing's really worth. I don't trust the stock price. I do like the story, though. Finally, on Friday, we get retail sales. And I think you're going to see a super strong number, a barn burner. If it weren't for today's weak employment number, we might see a surge in bond yields on this retail sales figure with the Fed pressured to tighten. Fortunately, the labor report trumps retail sales. But I'd argue retail is the real comeback story right now. And that means we're likely to have more than just temporary inflation. But who knows? Maybe it surprises to the downside, just like the labor report, although I certainly doubt it. The bottom line, I know the conventional wisdom says sell in May and go away, but that stupid ditty needs to be retired, at least when it comes to the first week of the month, when lots of people who hold on to the stocks did quite well, didn't they, and weren't freaked out by that by that. Well, never mind. I don't want to say it because it's a family show. Now that the Fed remains our friend, I bet we can keep climbing. Let's go to Gary in California. Gary. Hello, Jim. This is Gary Cohen from Big Bear, California. How are right. you doing? I am doing well. Good. How about you? Uh, just fine, thank you. Uh, a while back, you gave an endorsement for American Tower, uh, symbol AMT. And based on your endorsement, I've been following the stock for a while before I buy it. Uh, I got a notice on my phone the other day that I, has a has me questioning some things, and I'd like to discuss that with sure. you. Sure. Uh, uh, it announced that uh, they're going to raise capital by holding a public uh, release of another 8,500,000 shares of stock. Mm-hmm. And that has me, you know, wondering what that will do to the uh, uh, distribution of the uh, yield, the uh, payout ratio, and some of the other metrics. All right, well, I can answer all this for you, Gary. It's actually it was a great thing. They ended up upsizing it to nine million. It priced at two hundred forty-four. And just to show you how much people love the stock, it went out today at two hundred and forty-seven. That shows you there's strong demand. People want the tower stocks. Dividend staying at two. I prefer Crown Castle has a higher dividend and a better growth rate. CCI, and it's been a huge winner for ActionAlertsPlus.com. My charitable trust. Let's go to Paulina in Virginia. Paulina. Hey, Jim. Uh, my question is this. During the past 52 weeks, Novavax, a 33-year-old company that has yet to produce a vaccine, hit a high of $331 per share, albeit receiving a $1.6 billion contract from the federal government. BioNTech, a 13-year-old company whose only vaccine is the COVID vaccine, hit a high of $213 per share. Moderna, a 10-year-old company that has only produced the COVID vaccine thus far, has only reached a high of $189 per share. Moderna also received federal funding of almost $1 billion, plus a $1.5 right. billion federal contract. Moderna has by far the highest... Well, I, I can tell you the answer. Novavax isn't worth what it's selling for, and, uh, and Moderna isn't either. Novavax should be lower. Moderna should be much higher. That's because Moderna's got so many other things in the fire. I love that company. I think it's terrific. But you know what? The, uh, Meg speaks to them in the morning. And makes fabulous, so I'm not going to try to pry it away from her. But, man, I had it on first when the stock was at 18. And I said, ooh, smart guy. 
A miss in the jobs number turned out to be very good news for the stock market. And with the Fed on our side, well, I bet we can keep on climbing. We'll make it tonight. As more people become fully vaccinated across the U.S., does Planet Fitness look to be in good shape in this market? I'm sitting down with the CEO of Journeys. Then actress Jessica Alba's longest-running role has become rather lucrative. Shares began trading Wednesday in the company she co-founded. But is it worth getting in on the honest company? I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And following a surge of pet adoptions thanks to COVID-19 pandemic, is Lanco Animal Health in a prime position to benefit from the trend? I've got the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you do with the obvious reopening plays that aren't necessarily going up all the time? Take Planet Fitness, the Kramer fave Jim chain with a stock that exploded higher once we started getting positive vaccine news for peaking in late February, right when the company was finally able to fully reopen. Since then, Planet Fitness has pulled back hard thanks to some analyst downgrades on valuation concerns. Just got another leg lower after the company reported a confusing quarter last night. It was a meaningful top and bottom line miss. And that's why the stock tumbled 4% today. 
Still, there were some real positives in there. Management had bullish commentary on traffic trends and the reopened gyms. Also announced an intriguing new investment in a company called iFit. we got to learn about that. It's connected fitness technology. But So with the stock now down 15% from its highs in February, could this great reopening play be worth buying? Let's check in with Chris Rondo, the CEO of Planet Fitness, find out more about the quarter and the company's prospects. Mr. Rondo, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Nice to be back. All right. So, Chris, let's compare you not to 2020, uh, because obviously things go bad, but where are you versus 2019 in terms of traffic, uh, members, and a sense of what you think the future holds? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I honestly couldn't be happier. We are thrilled with how business is reacting right now, and it's it's really what we envisioned was going to happen as the vaccines get broadly distributed here. We, uh, we've sold 800,000 net new members so far since January 1. Um, we are already back uh, 40% of our height of, of Q1 of 2020 um, sold back. So we're, we're making our headway back here. And some interesting trends we're seeing is that out of the joins we're seeing, March, seasonality change. March, we actually sold um, more net member growth in March than March of 19. April was on par with April 19, and that was up against a 10-day national sale in April of 19. So the seasonality has shifted. You know, as the vaccines are getting distributed broadly, the angst is upsetting. People are coming in and joining at great paces. Um, 4% of our joins uh, are coming from closed competition, and 30% of our joins, uh, Jim, are coming back to us from um, former members, where that usually is about 20%. So that's we have a have, and they're coming back to bricks and mortar, which is great. And our usage today, workouts, is about, about a little over 80% now of normal workout volume. So we're getting right back to where we were. So what this tells me, Chris, is that despite people saying that people have discovered ways to be able to work out at home, there's a core group of people that is millions of people who like to work out with other people around. So true. I mean, it's funny, as I always compare it to, to everybody's got a kitchen at home, right, Jim? And everybody still goes out to eat, right? It's a better experience, better food, more fun. You're around other people. And, and, you know, as you can imagine, I have a great gym in my basement. I still go to my local planet. Why? Because it's inspiring. It's motivational. It's five in the morning. And I don't want to be in my basement, honestly, right? It, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. You have a lot more variety at the end of the day. So uh, tell me about these uh, technological uh, uh I would just say the things that you probably had cooking all along, but now we're really focused on because they seem so cool and they're right here right now. Yeah, I mean, we really use 2020, you know, unannounced that this was going to happen naturally, but we had a lot of time to focus on digital because we weren't open for many months for for, for, for business. So um, we accelerated our digital um, endeavor that we were on. And I couldn't be more excited about it and having a lot of fun because when you think about this industry, Jim, we... This industry, unless you came through our front door, we never engaged you. We didn't have you working out at home. We didn't have you working outside. We didn't give you content. We didn't get you engaged on your wellness journey outside of our four walls. So for the first time now in this industry, especially for Planet, we're the first one to really go down this road, that we're able to contact, give our members service outside our four walls, which can only be create a happier member, which is a stickier member, right? So it's just really amazing now with technology and with the app that we have is to deliver content, we can now have a platform we can go down the, the, the road of nutrition and diet and meditation and just really give members more value. Now, what do you uh, think about my theory that I've been saying about you guys, which is that there are a lot of undercapitalized gyms that did not get through this period, but the people who belong to those are going to go 
and sign up at Planet Fitness. Do you have like a geographical map of the country of where many went under and are you drawing from those? Yeah, so as as I mentioned, 4% of our joints at this time are coming from closed competition forever. Um, The industry trade group, URSA, reports that 17% of all gyms are permanently closed. Wow. Um, There are 41,000 gyms in the country. 17% 17% are permanently closed. They, they predict it could be as high as 25% by the time this is all said and done. Um, and there's 60 million members. So if you do the math, that's a lot of people to work out. Um, but remind you, that's on top of the fact that we really cater to casual and first-timers. And 40% of our joins have never belonged to a gym in their entire life. So we're truly getting people off the couch and expanding the market. And that's what's made us so successful over, over the last 29 years is we really are expanding the market. And we were accountable for... Over, over 100% of member growth in the industry for 2018 and 2019. Wow. Now you have the closed clubs on top of that. It's, I couldn't be more excited about the future. All right, one last question. Uh, what is your rap about uh, your employees needing to be vaccinated or not? Yeah, we're not, we're not uh, mandating that, that right now at all. But we do have a mask policy for all staff right now that we are, while they're working out, while they're working uh, the whole time. Um, but we'll have to watch, see what happens over, over the course of the next few months. Excellent. Thank you for being straight with us, as always. Chris Rondo with uh, some numbers that I thought were not bad, but the street got too excited ahead of the reopening. Thank you so much for being on the show, Chris. Good to see you. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. That's Chris Rondo, CEO of Planet Fitness, which you've been recommending the whole time and we're not backing away from. Stay with Chris. Coming up. It was an honest day's work for Jessica Alba at the NASDAQ. But should home gamers get in on the Honest Company's IPO? Kramer's Take, next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Regular viewers know that I am sick and tired of tech IPOs and SPAC deals. But what about a nice and straightforward consumer packaged goods deal? Earlier this week, we got one that caught our attention, The Honest Company, actress Jessica Alba's personal care brand. This one's interesting because in recent weeks, the IPO market has finally started cooling off. You're not seeing deals priced way above the proposed price range as frequently as they used to. You're you're not seeing so many huge spikes right out of the gate which you know I think are somewhat unhealthy. In general, you're not seeing great performance at all. It doesn't help that the last high-profile deal, the direct listing of Coinbase, landed with a thud three weeks ago. And remember, Coinbase reports next week. But if you ask me, I prefer an unenthusiastic IPO market because it means you can actually find some decent opportunities, unlike last year when these new stocks would instantly, that first day, become way too expensive. Which brings me back to The Honest Company. 
This is a textbook example of what can happen when the underwriters don't let the stock get away from them. The IPO price at $16. That was right in the middle of the proposed range. At that level, the honest company was actually being valued below what it got in its last private fundraising round. Then, because the deal was reasonably priced, the stock actually went up. It jumped to 21 bucks at the open on Wednesday before climbing all the way up to 23 bucks. That's a 44% gain if you got in the deal. And people did get in the deal. Of course, since then, it has pulled back, falling to 19 bucks and change today, which means you could be getting another bite at the apple here. So the question is, should you take it? Now, I did say that at 16 it was good, but I'm going to tell you, tell you right now at 19, uh, my gut is saying no, at least not at this level. Why? Okay, the Honest Company is a packaged goods company with a twist. They're all about clean and natural products, a category that's growing much faster than the rest of the industry. So that we like, right? The company has three major divisions. They've got diapers and wipes. They account for 63% of their sales. Skin and personal care makes up 26%. Household and wellness represents 11%. So think of it as a clean and natural diaper play. Even before the pandemic, the Honest Company had digital all figured out. They got their start selling the stuff online. Digital now accounts for more than half the business. We like that. They've already invested heavily to build this out. They've got Jessica Alba as the face of the company. And even if you weren't a big fan of Sin City, it's clearly a draw for a lot of people. If the Hollywood connection makes you feel like the story's too gimmicky, that's not something I'm worried about. See, a few years ago, the Honest Company brought in Nick Vlahos. He was formerly the CEO of Clorox as its CEO. Talk about a great hire. So then what's my problem with this thing? Good, good bloodlines, uh, great products, natural. People in the office use them with their kids. Well, I've got, two, I've got two issues. One is timing and the other is valuation. By timing, I mean the Honest Company is a consumer packaged goods play, and these are not the kind of stocks you want to own when the economy is booming, which is what's happening. Today's disappointing employment number is not a sign that business is falling off a cliff. It just means the Federal Reserve can get away with leaving its rates incredibly low and letting the boom continue. You don't buy the diaper stocks when the economy is on fire. You buy them when the economy is slowing. Plus, the whole industry is up against some very difficult comparisons this year, thanks to all the stockpiling in 2020 when the world went into lockdown. If the honest company had some really stellar numbers, if they were doing something totally revolutionary, then I would be willing to make an exception. But that's unfortunately not the case. This is a very good company with a quality brand that's growing somewhat faster than its larger, more established competitors. It's not in a league of its own, though. It's simply one of the better houses in what's currently, I'd say, a not-so-hot neighborhood. Let me put it this way. The Honest Company grew its sales at a 27.6% clip last year, which would ordinarily be very impressive for a packaged goods play. Although in the COVID economy, frankly, those numbers are pretty much par for the course. I mean, Clorox, they've been around forever, right? They had 23% growth last year. So it's growing faster than Clorox, but not that much faster. Of course, investors don't like the consumer packaged goods names for their revenue growth. Those stocks are enticing because they have consistent earnings and big dividends. Not the Honest Company, though. They're actually losing money. Even if they backed out a bunch of one-time items last year, they would have made uh, $1.8 million or $0.02 per share. We can tolerate losses when we're investing in a disruptive technology stock, right, with a super high growth rate. But the Honest Company's been around for nearly a decade, and there's nothing stellar about the growth. Of course, the margins are improving. It should be profitable this year, and that's not a bad place to be. But if this is supposed to be the better-for-you, faster-growing diaper company with an ESG kicker, I really want to see a faster growth rate. For the first quarter of 2021, they're saying the growth is likely slowed to the 78 to 10.5% range. So they're really looking at, what, high single-digit growth? I mean, this year, hey, Church and Dwight and Colgate are looking for mid-single-digit growth. 
Which brings me to the second problem, valuation. If the honest company were trading in line with its peers, then I'd tell you to buy it hand over fist. But it's not trading like a consumer product stock. It's trading like a fast-growing tech stock. Based on a mostly diluted share count, the Honest Company has a market capitalization of about $2.3 billion right now. Assuming they can keep growing at a 10% clip, the high end of their guidance for the first quarter, the company could do $330 million in sales this year. Let's see. So let's put pen to paper. That means the Honest Company is trading at nearly seven times this year's sales estimate, not earnings. I know it's unusual to use the price to sales ratio to judge a consumer packaged goods play. We usually do that for enterprise software companies. But what else, what, what else can we do? They don't have any earnings. They're cash flow negative. Sales are all we got. So the honest company is trading at roughly seven times sales. That's a huge premium to Church and Dwight, fast growing company, four times sales. Colgate, four times sales. Clorox, three times sales. Maybe a better comparison you'd say might be would be to simply good foods. The better for you packaged foods play. Similar ethos. But simply good foods trades at just 3.6 times sales, even though it's expected to grow at a 15% clip, much faster than this, and it's also profitable. If anything, that comparison makes the honest company look worse. Again, I, I, I know it sounds like I'm dumping on it. It's, it's a real good company with real good products. I think it does deserve to trade at a premium in something like Clorox or Church and Dwight. The problem is how much premium? Not 100% premium. Given that the honest company has Let's say that's called a cold stock potential where I could see people buying and holding shares just because they love the product. I could see maybe even paying an outrageous amount like five times sales. However, that's 14 bucks down five bucks from where it's currently trading. The bottom line, I, I like the honest company as a business. But as a stock, I think the timing's wrong and the price is too high, even if you want a piece of it. Look, I think you're going to get it on a pullback. I think it probably goes to mid-teens. Believe me, you can afford to be patient, even if you think it's a cold stock that you love. There is no hurry to own any packaged goods play right now, least of all one that does not make any money and sells at a high multiple to sales. Joe in California. Joe. Jimmy Chill. Hey, I just want to say I appreciate all you do for us who have the stones to manage our own money. But also as a comedian out here in L.A., I've learned more about stage presence and how to be an entertainer from you. You don't get enough credit as an entertainer. You crushed it in Iron Man. The mug smashes all time. And I'm here to talk about Poshmark. Um, I believe that it's a, a reopen play that's getting miscategorized as a stay-at-home stock. It's almost like reopen Etsy. And anecdotally, my friends who sell on Poshmark, poshers, have been killing it lately, saying their sales are at all-time highs. And I don't understand. I think that people thought, like, because the growth wasn't there in the last quarter, um, that maybe it wasn't like, you know, that it, it just wasn't, it didn't have the uh, the growth prospects. But I'm telling you, I think this is a real winner. Well, Joe, yeah, I got to tell you something, Joe. First of all, thank you for those kind comments. I did work on my timing when I started this show and I've been uh, watched a lot of comedians in practice because I knew I've got like the most boring subject in the world. So thank you for getting that. Second, my daughter is what's called a posh marker. Uh, she she's selling all the time on Poshmark and she herself has said, Dad, this thing is just old. just a great, great thing. Uh, it's a habit. It's something you can do all the time. And I thought that the stock should be doing much better. I'm with you. I don't regard it as a, a close or open. I think it's just a good business. Uh, and people say, well, listen, it's too expensive versus a bunch of other stocks. I think they've got something really going for it. They have loyalty. I'm with you, Joe. And thank you for the kind words. All right. I'm going to keep it honest with you. I like honest the company. 
But I think the stock's a little too expensive, okay? I mean, if you really went in, I am telling you, if you're patient, you will get it at that offering price of $16. Now, there's much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Elanco after earnings. Is it uh, all bark or does it have some bite when it comes to the market? When it came, when it came public, spun off a of lily, it had way too much ag animal. Now it's got a lot of pet animals, so I like it. And then why, why your instincts could be more important than the direction of a stock when it comes to investing. And then, of course, all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Look at a Lanco run. Two and a half years ago, Elanco Animal Health was spun off by Eli Lilly. And at first, the stock had a difficult time. But after plunging at 15 bucks at its lows last year, the stock has more than doubled, including a nice 6% move today in the wake of an excellent quarter. It turns out the pandemic has been a huge boon for the animal health business. When people realized that they'd be stuck at home for months, pet adoption soared. And Elanco got a big companion animal business, especially after the acquisition of Bear's uh, Animal Health Division last summer. That buyer, that purchase is what made this stock run, believe me. Plus, now the company's getting a boost from rising food prices. It's an inflation winner because when, say, beef gets more expensive, ranchers have an incentive to raise more cattle, and they've got to keep those cows healthy. Which brings me to this morning when Elanco reported a blowout quarter. Magnificent 15-cent earnings beat off a 22-cent basis, higher than expected sales. Better still, management raised their full-year forecast. This was the quarter that many shareholders, including me, have been waiting two years to see. It's no wonder the stock took off, but can it keep running? Let's check in with Jeffrey. Simmons, the president and CEO of Lanco Animal Health, get a better read on the quarter and what's coming next. Mr. Simmons, welcome to Mad Money. Great to be here, Jim. Thank you. Jeff, I got to tell you, that acquisition made it so it's exactly what I wanted, which is a great play on animal health and a great play on companion animals. It's really changed the way people look at your company, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we have, it's been a lot of hard choices since we, uh, we're on the floor kicking off this company in September of 2018. But <laughs> yeah, Bayer has made us this durable number two independent animal health company. Uh, it's the first quarter, Jim, in over almost 70 years as Elanco that pet sales were larger than livestock. So diversity and durability prepared for a great future. Absolutely. Well, I mean, maybe I'm selfish as I told you when I saw you on the floor. I know that people at home love their pets and they want pet stocks. They do. They have their pets. They want pet stocks. You now have some incredibly important drugs and pipeline of drugs in both animals and pets. But speak to us about the pets, because that will get people uh, as excited as they should be about this stock. Yeah, we've got. So the biggest market in pet health is parasiticides. And we have and when you bring Bayer and Elanco together, we've got the broadest portfolio, largest portfolio in the largest market the teeth, you know, tick, flea, heartworm market. But we're leaders in pain. We've got a product today, Galaprant, that we always say, uh, you know, when the dog gets a little older and we've added 10% to the dog's life, 20% actually in the last 10 years, you know, uh, we've got the best product for uh, osteoarthritis as well as a few other pain products as well. And then the wellness visits. Today, vet visits are up. You know, adoption mm-hmm. is taking pet ownership up 5% total pet numbers. But actually, wellness visits in clinics are up 15 percent. We've got one of the largest vaccine portfolios. So exciting. And we're headed into so many exciting areas. We're launching a 
kidney disease product for cats. We've got a, the, one of the largest uh, feline portfolios. Remember, Jim, there's there's more cats than dogs as right. well. So that's exciting. Well, I love them both. And at one point had six cats, so I totally get it. Do you, do you really have, I, I'm going to use a little joke here, I can't help it, a fat cat drug? Well, we're actually, we're headed down the, the road looking at the whole diabetes area. I mean, right. and that to me is an area of of, of opportunity for us as we continue to move move forward. Well, so, because I think and you weight, know another st- weight of fat, weight of cats and weight of dogs is something that all of us get in trouble on because we always want to feed. They're always hungry. We always overfeed them. Anything you have along those lines is terrific. Yeah. You know, another statistic, Jim, we've talked a lot about is everyone's talking about adoption. But, you know, I'll make a plug on another statistic that we saw that was the rationale for the Bayer deal. And COVID brought this to light. And that is one third of pet owners are not going to the veterinarian. And now during COVID, one third of pet owners are deciding, hey, I like to buy online. Bayer had a 10 year head start with OTC products like Soresto, Advantage, well-known brands that were OTC. So we're, we're large customers of Chewy, Amazon. And what we see is down the road, meeting pet owners where they want to shop. And we're leaders in the fastest growing pet health market, which is e-commerce. But we're also bridging that veterinarian in. And the veterinarian has absolutely transformed their profession. They have truly been frontline uh, in this profession by um, doing everything from telemedicine to curbside to couchside to meet pet owners where they where they want to shop. And Elanco is well positioned now in the fastest growing segment, e-commerce. Well, we, we talked to, of course, to our uh, I have a, a niece who married another vet vet I told, before the show, talked and said, what about this Sorestro? Uh, do you see there's a yeah. problem? I mean, obviously, there's these these articles that are out there uh, and they said pretty much what you said in your uh, 8K, millions upon millions of animals have had this product and it, it, it may even be counter my doctor said it may be counterfeit product we think it's counterfeit they prescri- you know they're happy to, to sell it. we were using it i don't get it uh, can you just explain to people how something happens like this where you have what 27 million 25 million pets use this drug and are given this drug and yet somehow it, it got tagged as being a killer well, there's, there's absolutely no affiliation with the active ingredients. Let me set the record straight, and that's what we did today with the AK. There's no affiliation with the active ingredients in Soresto and a pet death, and we wanted to set that record straight. What's most important to me three decades in this industry is what we do as an industry matters, and it matters to all the people in this industry and especially with the Elanco, and that is that, hey – the health and the well-being of the pet, and parasiticides in this case, ticks and fleas, it matters. And, and the last thing we want is misinformation to lead to non-use, and that'd be a problem for the pet or the homeowner. So this is, this is a safe product. As you said, 70 million collars over the last decade, 80 countries approved, the fifth largest product ever in animal health. And, you know, we continue to see this product. Why? Why? It's one of the most trusted brands, over 90% loyalty rate to this brand. Why? Because it's convenient. It works. It's economical. You can put that collar on and for eight months, you can forget about ticks and fleas. Well, that's that's why you use it. I I mean, honestly, I wanted you on because of that. I didn't even know about this stuff because, well, look, if you're using it, you don't think that there's anything bad and your doctor's telling you there's nothing to worry about. That's what doctors are telling. That's what vets are telling us. I'm with you, Jeff. And I think that this merger is a terrific one. We could have talked all day about about swine fever. We didn't get to do that. But you've got something for that, too. But this is the one now. 
now. I really think that yours is the inexpensive way to play this incredible humanization of pets that you and I both share. Jeff Simmons, president and CEO of, of Alanco Health. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Guys, as much as you know, I've liked Soetis for a long time. Soetis had a good quarter, but this is a much less expensive uh, stock. And, and I think it's got, after this acquisition, the bright breakdown of companion and also the animals that, well, let's just say ag animals. I'll be kind to them and say that. They have money's back after the break. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. It is time! It's time for The Lightning Round! And then The Lightning Round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy's over The Lightning Round! It's over with Scott in North Carolina. Scott! Showman, booyah. Oh, booyah, back at you. Dude, you are the best. You're a national treasure. Thank you, man. Thank you. I any money listening to your action alert advice, pal. Yes, I, got, got a big meeting you. next week. Big club call Thursday. You got to be there. What's up? I'll be there. I'm on every one. I thank, thank you. you very much. You make me a lot of money, and I got to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Wow. Thank you. Jimbo. Jimbo, here's what I need. I need your opinion on a high-speed internet infrastructure provider called Calix Incorporated. Well, I I like Calix. I like this high speed, but I've got to tell you, you know I'm a conservative person. And, I know, Infinera, Calix, those are good. I actually rather just have high speed, so I'm going to actually do the unthinkable and recommend Comcast, which is a company that I work for, but it does have the best high-speed business. Let's go to Daniel in Massachusetts. Daniel, my brother. Jimmy, Yo. what's up, man? Hey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, GMBL and the esports sector as a whole. I just looked at this company, and I think it's really good. I was putting together a bunch of online gambling companies. There's one in Canada I was looking at. Uh, it's funny because I'm doing dra- I'm looking at DraftKings, and, of course, I'm, you, you got to look at PennNat. This is a very good company. I think you're in good company with it. Let's go to Gene in Ohio. Gene. Hello, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Most of all, I wish you good health. Oh, thank you, buddy. Say thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I would like to know if my stock is a growth company and what is its future based on its business and does it have much competition? Is it worth buying more? The company is symbol FIS, Fidelity National Information Services. It's a terrific payment service company. Doesn't get nearly enough credit. I like it very much. I think it goes higher. If you want to buy more, I am fine with that. By the way, uh, these financial services companies, I'm just going to put it out there. Square was one of the best conference calls I've ever read. And I think Square is my favorite in the group. Close rival to PayPal. Let's go to, um, I'm going to get this wrong. I've Law in New York. I've Law? Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, uh, Jim, I want to know, this is Ivo Peter from Brooklyn, New York. I want to know if... American Airlines is a good reopening play. American Airlines is good. Southwest is better. I know I know Southwest is higher. And I know American Airlines is cheaper on any sort of price to whatever. Doesn't matter. Best of breed is L-U-B. Let's go to Ben in California. Ben. Big booyah to you, Mr. Kramer. Oh, wow. Good to have you on the show. Please give me your thoughts on ticker R-I-G-L, Rigel Pharmaceuticals. Okay, Rigel. Now, all right. So listen, this is really, really tough. It's got a lot of different inflammatory autoimmune competition out there. 
And so I'm not of the speculative stocks that are in that business. I'm not going to call it a fave. I'm just not. I need Jason in New York. Jason. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Brooklyn, New York. My, my question is this. I currently own shares of Energy Product Partners with quarterly earnings recently beating estimates by 14 cents and a dividend yield of 7.74%. Should I increase my position and buy more? Okay, I want to get everybody to it's, it's Remember, it's enterprise. I don't want to, I'm not trying to correct to be mean or anything, but there is an energy. I don't want people to, tra- to uh, you know, like there's energy transfer. I don't want people to convolute because one's not good energy transfer and one's really good enterprise. Enterprise can, I believe, cover that dividend. I was going over with Rusty Brazil the other day, who is my absolute expert. This company is more than just oil and gas. It's also all sorts of plastic. It's done a lot of fractionators. It is a well-run company. And the answer is it's a buy. So yes, EPP, which is also, of course, that's the it, it's, it's actual symbols EPD, but it's EPP as Enterprise Product Partners. Let's go to, it's an MLP. Let's go to Bob in New Jersey. Bob! Hey, booyah, Kramer. Booyah. Oh, you're, you're the best. I just want you to know you're a great teacher, and I've learned so much from you. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Oh, Jill says really. thank you. What's up? Um, I, I'd like your opinion on Luminar. Luminar? Oh, man. You know, autonomous vehicles, uh, I've had it up to here with autonomous vehicles. They, they, they're all very, they're fun to look at and fun to taste, but if you break them or whatever, what is that thing when you go to a store and it says that? That's how I feel about them. These are all broken. Uh, it, it, I'm not going to recommend Luminar Technologies. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, do you have what it takes to trust your instincts? It's a Friday Gut Check with Kramer next. Kramer. You are super. You are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. You can't presume something's wrong just because the stock sells off in response to earnings. Yet that's exactly what so many traders do. The truth is, earnings season is a confusing time, and the market's initial reaction is often wrong. Take two companies that reported in the last 24 hours, very accessible companies, Penn National Gaming and DraftKings. Both delivered sharply better than expected sales. Both are well on their way to dominating one of the strongest, fastest-growing areas in this entire national economy, which is gambling. And both are exceedingly well-run. Penn National has harnessed the talents of Dave Portnoy and his Barstool Empire. DraftKings, which I've done work for, full disclosure, has an electric website, very easy to use, and some big-time partnerships that bring in lots of new gamblers every single week. All the research supports this very positive view. Yet their stocks went down after they reported. And when a stock goes down, everybody rushes to find some justification for it. We love to make excuses for the action, but sometimes the action's just plain dumb. Almost immediately, I heard that the quarters weren't that good, and gambling has peaked. Well, that's just not true. There's zero evidence to that. What happened is that there were sellers of these two stocks for reasons unknown. We might never know. 
That's why I like to do my analysis in a vacuum. I read the conference calls of companies like these at my home at night with no distractions. Then I can formulate my own opinions about what should happen and whether the stocks are worth buying, regardless of what the direction of the stock was when this happened. When I look at PennNat and DraftKings in a vacuum, I like both stories very much. I'm not going to let the action deter me from recommending them because I'm convinced the sellers are actually off base. I feel differently if either company's management said they expect business to tail off once the pandemic winds down. That is the kind of thing we heard from uh, Kramer Fave Etsy the other day. I had no qualms saying that that one would go lower when I first read that. Although at these levels, I said the weakness is mostly baked in. It was a good buy today. But when it comes to companies like uh, that are doing well, like Penn, Nat and DraftKings, if you stop letting the the stock dictate your decisions, you're much less likely to make mistakes, and you're certainly much less likely to sell at the bottom. All right, so let me give you some more examples that are really stark so you get this, all right? Uh, last week, we had Michael Nidorf. He's the CEO of Centene on the show, all right? Now, I examined the quarter and interviewed him all in a vacuum, and Mike's been on the show for years. Uh, and I refused to let the stock sell off, and it was selling off impact my judgment. I came to the conclusion independently and told you that Centene should be bought. Almost immediately, the stock went down more. I refused to back away, doubling down, saying it should be bought again. The sellers were wrong. I figured they knew less and were less familiar with the industry than I was. Boom, the stock's now up 18% from where it settled. One more, Nucor. Now, I've followed this great American steelmaker since 1981. That's right, 40 years. Nucor came on the show when it reported, and it's come on the show actually since we started the show. And uh, a lot of people... Uh, they looked at the numbers and they said, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything like that. I, 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 I did it all in a vacuum. And I'm glad I did because other than after listening to CEO Leon Topalian on Mad Money, I knew that this moment may be the best it has ever been in the 40 years that I have followed Nucor. That's why when the stock did nothing in the quarter, I knew it was a mistake and I told you you had to buy it. My only regret was that I didn't pull the trigger for my charitable trust. I have restrictions that forbid me from immediately buying it, so I missed a 30% move. 30%. So next time you get shaken out because of the action, I need you to remember examples like Centene, examples like Nucor. Trust your instincts, people, not the direction of the stock. If you do the homework, then, then more often than not, your judgment should be better than the markets itself. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 